Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox and I'm Josh. I'm Jimmy. And we are happy to have Randy Robison on the show. Randy, thank you for joining us. Hey, Josh and Jimmy. Great to be with you guys. Randy is the author of Age of Promise. Can you tell us about your newest book? Yeah, you know, actually it's less of a book to me and more of a journey. It took me over 12 years. And it's just a lot of things that, uh, you know, growing up in the church, going to a Christian university, hearing more sermons than probably the average person, there's still a lot of things I didn't understand, both in the Old and the New Testament and how they related together. And so it was really a a study, a deep study that I did for many, many years. And they kind of all came together in this format where I look at principles that were established in, in the Old Testament, but that were transformed in Christ. And when we apply them and understand them today in light of the new covenant, they're really transformative in our lives. I tell you, with so many people involved in, you know, in evangelical churches today, there seems to be an ever-growing distance between younger believers and the Old Testament. It's like, well, you know, Jesus kind of put an end to that, and therefore it's quaint, it's archaic, no real need for us to spend much time looking at it. And yet you find it important for a new generation of believers to understand exactly how the Old and New Testament work together. Yeah, and I think it is important to understand how they work together because they do. But, you know, Jesus told parables uh, to his disciples, and, and, you know, sometimes they didn't get it. And he's like, man, if you you don't get this, how are you going to get anything, you know? And much of the Old Testament is, is a bit of a parable. It's a picture. They're shadows of things that were to come, which are here now. And so it really, you know, if some of the New Testament principles maybe seem a little slippery to people, um, the Old Testament puts it into a framework that we can understand, you know, with a lot of physical pictures of what are spiritual truths. So when you look back at some of the reasons that people will, will discount you know, sinful behavior that's listed in the Old Testament. Well, if you don't give a third of your crop to the poor, you need to be stoned. If you're going to, you know, be disrespectful to your parents, you need to be stoned. <laughs> so talking to a, a younger audience, you know, of people in their 30s or so, how do we equate as New Testament Christians what you're going to say something? Yeah, well, before Randy answers, you would have been stoned many times. Oh, yeah. Jimbo. And with actual rocks, (laughs) with rocks. So are all sins the same in God's eyes? Oh, gosh. Well, okay. You're jumping into the the deep water here. Um, Here's an interesting thing. In in the chapter uh, on the promise of the sacrifice, I talk about the Old Testament sacrifices. And there were different Hebrew words for different concepts. And this translates into the Greek because the Greek has different words too. So first of all, and people have to hear this before we get into kind of a petty debate, all sin falls short of the glory of God. That's that's where they're all equal in a sense. They all fall short of God's glory. However, 
there are there were different sacrifices and there are different words for three different things sin transgression and iniquity this is one of the things that really had a practical application to my life when I understood the difference. So I'll give you the short version here, and I, of course I go into more detail in, in the book. But sin is oftentimes omission. We should have done something, but we didn't. It's oftentimes unintentional. Uh, you know, oh, I didn't realize that kind of thing. So there's a sort of a to err is human element, you know. In, in sin. And sin is easy to correct. Sin is, you know, missing the mark. We've probably all heard that. And when you when you miss the mark, you just let your loving Father correct you a little bit, and you fire again. So we don't need to get hung up over actual sin. Now, there, hang on, because there, there's transgression. Transgression is when you know something is wrong, and you willfully do it anyway. So, Transgression's a bigger deal in the sense that there's the act of the will in defiance of, of God, ultimately, but in defiance of what we know is right. In the Old Testament, if you thought you sinned, you would do one sacrifice, and if you found out later that you had actually transgressed, you'd have to go offer another sacrifice, and the sacrifices were different. The priests would often offer a sin offering for the people in Mass as a group. But it was a transgression was an individual offering that you had to bring. So we need to understand the difference between sin and iniquity, because I think a lot of times, I'm sorry, sin and transgression, a lot of times we beat ourselves up over sin in the sense of, oh, I should have done that, or, oh, I didn't realize, you know, I made a mistake, oh, and we beat ourselves down. Jesus has got that handled. I mean, it's easy. You just, you confess it. If we confess our sins, he's, he's faithful, and he's justified he is righteous. He's on the right side of the law to forgive those sins. Now, transgression, if you're repeatedly transgressing or you know someone that is, that's a deeper heart issue, and that has to be addressed with a little more effort, you know. Um, it, it can be some really bad habits that maybe we've developed, and if you're not careful, you can harden your heart if you continually transgress. Now, iniquity is the other word in both the Greek and the Hebrew that it really addresses um, a nature issue. Um, basically, anyone who's not a believer lives in iniquity, and oftentimes those in iniquity don't know the difference between right and wrong, or they say that something that's wrong is actually right, and something that's right is actually wrong. It's a, it's a whole inversion of, of God's truth. And I would argue, based on some scriptures, that Christians can't live in iniquity because they have the Holy Spirit there to tell them. Now, you can transgress. You don't have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes from the outside, iniquity and you know, repeated transgression look a lot alike, which can lead to some confusion. But the state of iniquity requires one to be born again. The Spirit has to be born. The, the Holy Spirit has to be present in order to instruct us in what is right and what's wrong. So understanding these things in my life has helped me go, okay, uh, you know, I'm facing transgression here, and I have to make a decision. And it, it's actually empowered me to, to not transgress. It's also helped in looking at other people because, you know, <laughs> we act surprised sometimes as, as Christians when non-believers live in iniquity, and they don't know the difference between right and wrong. Well, that's their natural condition. 
that's the urgency of the gospel in their lives. Before that sin completely destroys them, they need to be born again. So back to your question, is all sin the same? Well, yes and no <laughs> would be my answer. <laughs> Make a long story short. What truth within the age of promise transformed, uh, impacted you the most? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, it's all, it's all these things that have really changed the way that I look at myself, the way I look at God, and the way I look at others. I, you know, one of the surprising ones, I would say, was uh, it's in a chapter called The Promise of Judgment. And, you know, I, I grew up in a Baptist church, as I know you guys did. So Speaking of judgment. Yeah, okay. So this is a topic we're familiar with. <laughs> but I, I don't, I at least, I can't speak for everyone, I didn't understand them properly. Because there's actually two different types of judgments in the New Testament. And the, one of them is really akin to the judgment of the Old Testament, which is really scary and really bad. And you kind of can't escape it, right? And in the Greek, in the New Testament, it's, it's crisis. It's the word where we get crisis, right? It's this judgment to destruction. And a lot of, I think, the conversation in, in the New Testament was referring to the Jews of the time where Christ had come first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. And he warned that if they did not receive him, they would face this crisis judgment. It would be a destruction Later, in a lot of Paul's letters, he talks about a judgment, but it's, it's at the, the Bema seat, or Bema seat, depending on how good you are at the Greek. Um, and it's, it's really a different kind of thing. That seat was the tribunal, the rostrum, where the governing authority would decide a case. And so there's this, this deciding of a case that I think is ongoing as we live out our lives. Mm-hmm. But the good news about that judgment is that we're promised that all of our dross, our wood, hay, and stubble, will be purified. The word that we look at as fire and burned away is a purification. It's punishment. And so at the end of the day, I think we can all look forward to stepping into God's presence 100%, and all of our mistakes will be burned away. Now, it will be a loss, but in my view, that's a good loss, because the only thing left is the gold, the silver, the Mm -hmm. the treasures that we've laid up. And that gives me hope because now I go, okay, God's got my sin taken care of. It's either forgiven, it's going to be purified. I'm not going to walk in transgression. You know, if I make a mistake, I'm just going to correct and and fire again because my goal is to lay up those treasures in heaven and those will last forever. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. 
If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. Okay, if I'm a a young family trying to get dinner on the table, getting kids back and forth to soccer practice, and I'm going to a small group, going to worship service on Sundays, how does, because what you're talking about is not surface stuff. It's something that you have to pause, put the the phone down, listen, read what you're saying. For that young family who are just trying to love Jesus best they can, how do they absorb this kind of theological information without just their eyes crossing? Well, I kind of hope their eyes do cross a little bit because I want to adjust the way the way they see some things. Okay, so here's a couple of principles I want to give you that uh, you know I, I, I've got four kids. Um, they're all well, wow, they're all adults now technically, um, and so I, I've been there. Right, we've done we've literally done the whole soccer thing and the hockey thing and lacrosse, all, all that all the school stuff. We've been there. Okay, two things that every mother, father needs to know. Number one, the way you love your children is just a picture of the way God loves you. And you are patient with your children. You're proud of them when they do something good. You correct them when they do something wrong, but you don't go, I mean, um, you better not be beating on them, you know, every time they're slightly out of line. Just think about how much you love your kids. I would do anything for my kids. I would go, I, I have gone way out of my way. I have sacrificed on my own part. I, I, but, I, man, I love those kids more than anything in this world. That's just a fraction of how much God loves us. And when we understand his Father's heart, I think we can see him in a more proper light. The other thing that we need to understand, especially, especially that mother who's staying home, who feels cooped up, wishing she could get out and do more for God sometimes, right? you got to understand that the purpose that Jesus said he came for was to spread God's kingdom. It's the way John the Baptist started his ministry. It's the way Jesus started his ministry. It's the way Paul ended in the book of Acts. It's what Jesus did after he came back and taught his disciples after the resurrection. It was all about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So what does this mean? This means that it's, a, it's very important. Spreading God's kingdom on earth is, uh, you know, you could just settle pretty much everything else aside and say, I'm going to spread God's kingdom on earth. For that mother, God has put her in that place of raising those children in order to spread his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Those conversations that you have with those kids about God, those seeds that you plant, those are not small things. Those are, that's a part of the purpose of God. Talking to those other mothers out there, you know, when you're in the bleachers at the game or when you're doing that school function or in a, in a home group with the church, sharing God's love with them and God's truth with them, that is spreading God's kingdom. That is no small thing. For the man who goes to work and maybe wishes he could be involved in more ministry, where you're working is where God has put you to minister. We're all in full-time ministry. 
We're all here to spread his kingdom, and there is no small role in that. What kind of obsolete ideas persist within today's Christian culture? <laughs> oh, how much time do we have? <laughs> My pet peeve, I guess, and I think you guys relate to this, is, you know, we, we came out of the law. The, the, Paul talks about the law, as the old covenant law, as, as things like death. I mean, he doesn't treat it nicely. And then Christ came and he gave instructions. I mean, we're not lawless by any means. But we're just under a new and better covenant. But we have this real tendency, especially in some of the more established denominational churches, to sort of codify some New Testament principles. We'll take one little verse, and we'll make that a New Testament law. You know, you got to be on church on Sunday, or you're not living according to, you know. Sure. We've got to get away from that. The, the, the laws that we live by are the, the, the law of love. Love God, love your neighbor, and then the, I believe the law of obedience. Christ said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. My sheep know my voice, and and they do what I tell them to do. The things that we need to focus on are loving others, loving God, hearing God's voice, and obeying. You do that, you really don't have to worry about the rest, no matter what certain churches say. <laughs> and I know we, we've got to get out of here, but I want to ask one more thing. I think everybody listening should follow Voice of the Martyrs on Twitter, and I think everyone ought to read Platt's Radical, because without without kind of keeping our toe in the persecution of the church around the world, we start to think that living in 21st century suburban America is the church around the world. You kind of touch on the persecution of the church a little bit in your book. Tell us where you think that stands. A lot of people would look around and just say, hey, we Christians have it made. Depending on where you live in the world, you would think Christians are the single most persecuted group on the planet. Well, that really, I talk about that in the promise of eternity. Um, it takes a long view. Uh, if we start looking at persecution and hardship in a very earthly frame, we start to miss it, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that you become a believer, you're never going to face any persecution. I mean, that'd be that'd be great, but that just wouldn't be true. Um, but when we understand, again, the kingdom purpose, the eternal kingdom that we're a part of, and that this life is such a, just, it's, it's minuscule compared to eternity. It's a vapor. It's here and it's gone. We can really focus on what we need to do in this short term, knowing that the long-term glory is beyond anything we can even imagine. And that's kind of what we're all, we're all here for. We're, this is the staging ground for eternity. And so when we keep that long-term view, it, it enables us to endure. It, it enables us to stay faithful and, and not get caught up in the why, why does God let that happen? Why does this, why am I suffering, you know, this? You got to understand that the long-term glory will make this vapor of a life seem like nothing. So keep your eyes on eternity. Keep your eyes on Christ. Now, along with authoring, you write, produce, and host Life Today, a television program with you and your parents' larger ministry that is Life Outreach International. Kind of tell us about Life Outreach as well as Life Today. Well, Life Today is a program. It's on, I think, pretty much every Christian network out there, as well as some others. Of course, you can go online to lifetoday.org and watch episodes. We've got a Roku channel and so there's a lot of ways to watch the program, but um, 
my parents are the founders and the hosts. Um, they've been taking some time off, and so Sheila Walsh and I have sat in for them quite a bit. Um, in fact, we're we're doing some programs tonight, and I'm on standby because I'm I might be hosting with my dad tonight, but. We'll see. So it's it's a, it's a television ministry. We get to, you know, I would look through your archives. By the way, if people haven't looked through the podcast archives for your show, there's some great people in there that have there's some great, great things to share. And and I've interviewed many of them, so I, I can say that because I know them. So, <laughs> right, so a little promo for you guys' uh, website <laughs> and archives. Um, and in the ministry, you know, uh, it's been around for, well, my dad's been ministering for like 50 five years, I think. And, you know, we do a lot of relief overseas, drilling water wells, feeding uh, hungry kids, rescuing girls from sex trafficking, things like that. Again, it's all that kingdom view, you know, yeah. uh, reaching out. And of course, we share the gospel wherever we go, not just in word, but in deed. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful ministry. I'm honored to be a part of it and uh, appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me, talk about the Age of Promise and about life today. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on. If you want more information about Randy, it is randyrobison.com. And if you want more information about his book, guys, it is so, and I know that a lot of you 30-something believers that are just trying to put food on the table and make it through the day, just skip over the Old Testament in your readings, because it doesn't make sense. You don't want to grab a concordance and look it up, but this is a fantastic Old Testament resource to really connect the Old Testament with life today. Josh, concordances are online now. You don't have to pick one up. <laughs> so definitely ageofpromise.com to check out the book. Randy, thanks so much for being on. Thank you, guys. Seriously, though, you do tend to skip over the Old Testament. I mean, not me or you, really, no. because we just read with that depth of understanding. Please. But in fact, Randy consulted us in writing his book, Age of Promise. Uh, in fact, God consulted me on writing the <laughs> Old Testament. So, But you do. You, you have a tendency to skip over it. And yet, to Randy's point, you know, he said, understanding the Old Testament really allows you to understand the Father as well as then subsequently Jesus in a new, different, and better light. And I remember when JFK, you know, when he was talking about going to the moon by the end of the decade of the 60s, and he says, we do these things not because they're easy, but because they're hard. And sometimes we dig into the Old Testament, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. It is not the easiest thing to understand, to apply, to translate over into the New Testament, much less the 21st century. And yet, all Scripture is God-breathed. Can I get an amen? No. Okay. So we need the God still speaks through the Old Testament, and we drop that off and ignore it at our spiritual peril. One other thing that Randy mentioned, he said that we, you know, there's so many mind-numbing laws within the Old Testament, but he said we live by a law of love and a law of obedience. And, you know, I I thought that that was a a beautiful summary of what we kind of need to be mindful of as far as the law is concerned. And when it comes to the Old Testament, that's when you drop the mic and walk off with a burning bush. That's how you do it. I'm not sure what you're talking about. law and obedience. If you want more information about Randy, again, it's randyrobison.com. If you want more information about this episode, it's paradoxpodcast.com. Find the episode tab and then click on Randy's picture. 
You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that information, both us individually as well as the show, on ParadoxPodcast.com. Take care. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. For a child to stand up and say, and again, seeking their own independence and their own identity is part of the deal, but this is such an extreme step. I separated from my parents by listening to the monkeys and not Nat King Cole. That's how I really stood up to my parents. And we're not talking about faith questions. No. You know, that's I good. doubted my faith and why is this the way that we should go? That's healthy and good. It's very good. It's a complete rejection is what we're talking about. Yes.